Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsler podcast, where I look at small parties and groups and independents that have stood in Irish elections over the years. This week is the turn of the National Labour Party, a split that occurred um, in the Labour Party in 1944 and uh, reunited with the Labour Party in 1950. It's funny, they're a name that are out there, but I hadn't, until I researched it, I hadn't really fully understood why the National Labour Party came into existence. Thank you to all those that have subscribed and supported the website as well and the and the podcast via the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash electionlit. You can contact me at electionlit on Twitter, irishelectionliterature at gmail.com, irishpoliticalephemera on Facebook, and irishelectionliterature.com is the website. Thank you. The National Labour Party obviously came about um, due to a split in the Labour Party in 1944. But the, the, the kind of lead up to that split um, started really with the, the, the emergency. As Neil Purcell puts it in uh, Making a Difference, the Irish Labour Party, 1912 to 2012. Over the course of the emergency, Labour became a magnet for leftists of many hues. To begin with, there were Trotskyites, some of who had escaped from Britain when the war broke out to avoid arrest as subversives. In 1941, Big Jim Larkin was allowed to rejoin, despite ITGWU opposition. That same year, the USSR entered the war against Germany, National Communist parties were now expected to support the Allies, but rather than support Britain, the Communist Party of Ireland wound itself up. It continued to exist in the six counties, while the southern cadre were instructed to join the Labour Party. With the expanding activist membership, Labour appeared more vital than ever, with the Connollyites, Trotskyites, Stalinists and all kinds of Social Democrats cooperating in a comradely way. But there was one group notably absent. The decision to allow Jim Larkin back into Labour was viewed askance by the transport union's chiefs, who threatened to disaffiliate if his membership was not cancelled. Not only was it not cancelled, but after much skullduggery on all sides, he ended up standing as a Labour candidate in Dublin North East at the 1943 general election, and he was elected. This was too much for the ITGWU, which acted on its threat, but soon found that members did not regard Larson's, Larkin's presence as a good reason for leaving the party. Looking around for a better excuse, the ITGWU leadership alighted on the presence of communists in Labour, who it said had infested the party. The union's disaffiliation was damaging enough, but this disingenuous claim had a devastating effect on Labour, a party which had been on the offensive in recent years, growing in confidence and numbers, now found itself subject to lurid exposés from the breakaway National Labour Party. Concerned friends like Alfred O'Reilly and gleeful opponents like Sean McEntee. A problem for Labour was that, while stories were vastly exaggerated, they were not without substance, and rather than deny the accusations outright, Labour established a committee of inquiry on the matter. In the end, four members were expelled on the findings of the committee, although one was subsequently allowed back, and the Liam Mellows branch in Cork was dissolved. 
and that lead dissolving of the Liam Mellows branch ended up with the founding of the Cork Socialist Party, um, who I covered in an earlier episode of the podcast, should anybody be uh, interested. Dermot Ferreter in the same book just described it as well as the entry of Jim Larkin into the Parliamentary Party in 1943. From 1933 to 41, he had styled himself as in independent Labour and was elected again for Dublin North East in 1943 before losing his, 19, his seat in 1944, ultimately split the party, leading to the formation of the National Labour Party. In the first six weeks of 1944, the ultra-Catholic stand, the Standard had run a series of supposed exposés of alleged communist takeover of the Labour Party in Dublin. According to Barry Desmond, there was a high degree of collusion between different elements to the extent that there were a large group of ITGW anti-Larkinites, Catholic actionists and Archbishop informants who peddled every nuance of radical opinion into communist subversion. There was also obviously personality clashes involved. Um, William O'Brien, the head of the, you know, there was inter-union disputes. William O'Brien, the head of the ITGWU, did not uh, get on well with Larkin. O'Brien had been a TD and a senator and so on, various uh, periods. So the ITGWU had disaffiliated in January 1944 from the Labour Party um, because of the ratification of James Larkin Sr. as a Labour candidate in Dublin North East. And five of the eight um, ITGWU-sponsored Labour deputies then formed the National Labour Party. Dan Spring, James Patterson, John O'Leary, James Everett and Thomas Looney. Everett, James Everett was the leader of the party. Ultra-Catholic Weekly Standard articles by Alfred O'Reilly were reprinted and distributed by the party. And just as a side about O'Brien, uh, Barry Desmond notes that the, 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 it was regard to all the Trotskyites uh, um, um, having vilified O'Brien later on. They need to be reminded that in the 1920s, after Leon Trotsky was forced into exile by Stalin, O'Brien approached the Cosgrave government and asked that Trotsky be given political asylum in Ireland. Cosgrave refused. Anyway, so there, there, there you are. It's um, just a, it's a little aside. So anyway, the, the, this new party, the National Labour Party, had been founded at five TDs. And um, in 1943, um, Dev hadn't won an overall majority. And so Labour had actually done very well in that general election. And he saw the opportunity to possibly get a, an overall majority. The disunity in the Labour Party. Um, in fact, the, the two Labour parties. And so he called uh, um, a snap election in 1944. Very often with the split um, of a party, people are more interested in attacking the other party than the party of um, then Fianna Fáil or whatever. And of course Fianna Fáil were delighted to attack Labour as communists and so on. But also um, it meant, for instance, in Larkin's um, Dublin North East seat, uh, National Labour put up two candidates and neither had a chance 
but it was more as a spoiling um a spoiling thing for uh for larkin and the same happens you know labor are putting up candidates who don't have a chance against national labor tds as well um, just purely out of spite, well, spite is the wrong word, but you're, you know, to try and scupper those campaigns. And there were, so there was a big battle between the two parties in certain areas um, and probably ended up costing them. But we'll take a look at the 44 election now. The lead up um, to the 1944 general election or the campaign um, we see that there was a, a statement put out by the National Labour Party. Um, this was on foot of a couple of local people trying to, um, in local areas, trying to unite the two groups. It must be made clear that the National Labour Party is a distinct political party with its own policy, which it intends to put before the Irish people. Its membership is not and will not be confined to persons organised in any particular industrial or economic organisation. It has already support, secured the support of the strongest trade union in Ireland, as well as of several other trade unions and very many persons in different walks of life. As a political party, it has neither the right nor the desire to interfere with the internal policy of any organised group of workers and its representatives at a conference called together by the Lord Mayor. To pretend, therefore, that has been done, that the disaffiliation of the ITGWU from the Labour Party is the only issue between the party and the National Labour Party is either willful misrepresentation of the facts or complete failure on that part of certain people to understand what occurred has occurred. The National Labour Party was founded by men who objected to the continued dictation of policy to the Labour Party by communists in London and in Dublin. The disaffiliation of the ITGWU was caused by an equally strong determination that its members would not finance a political party, the effective control of which had passed from the administrative council into the hands of communists. The same cause has operated in each case. This, however, does not empower the National Labour Party to assume to itself the right to decide matters of union policy, which only the union's own National Executive County can, can, Council can decide. And also, so there was a saying, saying, you know, we're not communists. And then, um, like you had Labour uh, TDs being asked, um, I am not a communist, said Alderman Corrish, Labour Party candidate at Wexford. I do not know of anything good in communism and we don't want to have anything to do with it. So all the slurs are being, about the Labour Party are be, being communist are being put out there. So the actual manifesto of the National Labour Party. The National Labour Party pledged to work for United Ireland, sovereign and independent, with the courage to shape its own destiny, appeals for the support of all electors in this campaign, which will probably decide what government shall hold office until after the cessation of hostilities abroad. Founded within recent months as the only effective protests against the failure of the political leadership of Labour to rid itself of alien influences, and against that leadership's failure to use rightfully the opportunities presented to it, the National Labour Party enters its first election campaign at short notice and hampered by the limitations imposed by exceptional circumstances. 
Its standard bearers, necessarily few in number, carry a message of hope and confidence for the establishment of a regenerated labour movement and party, loyal to its own freely adopted constitution and with moral courage enough to abide by its own regulations of order and discipline. The National Labour Party is pledged to strive by all legitimate methods for the attainment of the ideal of social justice in accord with Christian beliefs and principles. Upon this fundamental basis, in complete harmony with the character and aspiration of the Irish people, the National Labour Party will work towards the passing of legislation worthy of organised labour and of Ireland, to which all citizens believing in the social teaching of Christianity can rally with pride at their endeavour and with confidence that their party, their policy, their programme and their representatives are swayed only by considerations native to their country and directed only by its needs and conditions. For these aspirations and with these aims our candidates are now called to battle. For them we ask the support and the votes to the, of the electors. These candidates are the pioneers who are making a new virile democratic labour movement possible. They have faced and will face the fury of elements whose underground designs they have exposed and defeated. They stand neither for Moscow nor London but for labour in Ireland and labour for Ireland in true descent from James Connolly. In centres where lack of time has prevented the selection of National Labour Party candidates for this election, we ask for the active help of all to whom this manifesto appeals for the immediate establishment of units of an organisation to build and shape a great national democratic movement which will bestow upon our people the blessing of social and economic advancement based upon the solid and internal principles of social justice. This may be the election of the Doyle which will control the destinies of our people till after the war ends. The new Doyle will, at any moment, have to lead this neutral state through all the terrible crisis of the last tragic struggles for the mastery of Europe and the world. It will have to prepare for the dangerous and critical post-war period in which Ireland will have to rely upon her own strength, her own courage, her own endurance and her own capacity to advance. For the great tasks which confront us Steadiness, honesty, straight dealing and political and national integrity are essential. These qualities the electorate will find in the National Labour Party and its candidates. How you voted in the past no longer matters. How you vote this time is important. Vote National Labour. Other material writes that Foreign control of Ireland's affairs was resisted for 800 years by the Irish nation. The right of self-government could not have been won without the help of the Irish worker. The National Labour Party was founded to prevent control of the workers' political organisation passing into the hands of communists and others with an alien outlook. The National Labour Party stands for full national and economic freedom for every citizen, for the full utilisation of the manpower and natural resources of this country in the interests of the whole people for cooperation with all who are willing to work in the Dáil or outside it to bring about a social and economic system. Irish in inspiration 
and Christian in its effect. If you are tired of political catch cries and want to take part in the making the Irish nation what every patriot worked or died to achieve, vote for the National Labour Party candidates. The National Labour Party has no past to regret, no hidden masters to obey. It makes no insincere promises, but its candidates can be depended upon to defend as determinately in the doyle the rights of the Irish workers as they have already resisted the attempts by communists to take control of the political labour movement in this country. Vote for the National Labour candidates. So the candidates they got uh, going forward for the general election on behalf of the party in Wicklow, James Everett, in Kilkenny, J.P. Patterson, in Wexford, John O'Leary and T.T. Byrne, in Kerry North, Dennis Spring, in Cork South East, T.D. Looney, Cork City, P.J. O'Brien and in Dublin North East, Michael Colgan and Frank Robbins. They ask your help in this campaign for a clean, virile Irish Labour movement. Vote for the National Labour Party candidates. And you actually you get a, a further hint of um, the party stance. An ad for Dublin North East, Michael Colgan and Frank Robbins, who, as I said earlier, were almost put put up as spoiler candidates against um, Jim Larkin Sr. Michael Colgan and Frank Robbins are genuine Labour candidates for whom the people can vote with confidence. They stand for the Christian social teaching as enshrined in, in the papal encyclicals. So they are the, the papal encyclicals are mentioned in their election material. So obviously um, Jim Larkin wouldn't be using the papal encyclicals. So how did they get on in the 1944 general election? In Cork City, Patrick O'Brien polled 737 votes. In Cork South East, Thomas Looney polled 3,087 votes and Miss lost his seat. Labour had fielded two other candidates there, um, taking, you know, splitting the vote, which meant, uh, which cost Looney his seat. In Kerry North, um, Dan Spring held on with 8,429 votes. And in Kilkenny, James Patterson also held on with 6,239 in Dublin North East, Frank Robbins got 355 and Michael Colgan got 856. But their main target really was that um, James Larkin lost his seat. In Wexford, um, John O'Leary kept his seat, um, polling 6,864 and his running mate Thomas Byrne polled 1173 votes. And in Wicklow, Party leader James Everett tops the top the poll, polling four thousand nine hundred and ninety two votes. So four TDs they lost one seat but held on to four. Now it was also a disappointing um, election for the Labour Party who also lost seats. So the the split had cost um, both parties. The party continued on doing its usual doyle work and so on. There was. No word of, you know, there was still animosity between the two parties, Labour having chastising Labour for being communist and so on. The 1945 local elections. Here's an address from Peter Stephen Lynch, who was a candidate in Carrick and Shannon. 
for the National Labour Party in the local elections. And they were held the same day as the presidential election. Any one of the men going forward for the position of president is com competent to discharge the duties of that office. Whoever is elected president will make no difference to the people of this district when matters of purely local interest have afterwards to be dealt with. Make sure, therefore, that your representatives on your local council will be men whom you know and trust can serve you faithfully. Men who will see that the rates are spent to the best advantage, that good and suitable roads are provided, that proper facilities are available for the holding of fairs and markets, that the health of the people is safeguarded, that the poor, the old and the infirm are treated with Christian consideration, and that so far as is possible, useful work at adequate wages will be given to the unemployed. I ask for your votes in this election because we are prepared to do everything possible on the Council to safeguard the interests of the people amongst whom we live and whose needs we understand. The National Labour Party is the only party that has a policy in accord with the full national rights and in harmony with the papal encyclicals. It was the first party to declare unhesitatingly and without qualification itself in favour of the most reverend Dr. Dignan's social services plan. If you agree with these things are essential to the welfare of your community, give me your number one vote. Mark your ballot paper thus, Stephen Peter Lynch. So the old papal encyclicals uh, get a, a run again. There are slogans um, from, from the 1945 local elections. Vote for the National Labour Party candidates free from broken promises. So they were campaigning, I suppose, on the fact they were a new party and so on. In the end, the, the, although they didn't have candidates everywhere, the local elections weren't bad. They were the biggest party on Wicklow County Council, winning seven seats, bigger than Fianna Fáil or Labour or anybody else. They won seats in Carlow, in Galway, in Wexford, in Wicklow, or in Wexford, and amongst other places, and in Cork as well. So they weren't um, basically where they had a presence, the oil presence, they won seats, and some other areas too. In the 1948 general election, um, the party um, nominated 15 candidates Jay Patterson in S. Carroll in Carlow, Kilkenny. J. Hickey in S. Doyle in Cork City, P. J. O'Brien in Cork East, uh, Moore and Robbins again in Dublin North East, Dublin North Central, Mr. G. Walker, in Dublin South Central, Mr. J. Hughes, J. McElhinney in Galway West, B. Farrell in Kildare, D. Spring in Kerry North, J. Flynn in Sligo Leitrim. Mr. J. O'Leary in Wexford and James Everett in Wicklow. Again, their uh, election material, the National Labour Party and Congress of Irish Unions. If you approve of a Labour Party free from communism and a trade union movement under the complete control of Irish nationals with headquarters in Ireland, you should assist and vote for the candidates of the National Labour Party and Congress of Irish Unions in the coming general election. Party pledged to fight communism. The National Labour Party, in conjunction with the Congress of Irish Unions, was pledged to fight against communism, seeking to dominate the trade unions, said Mr. S. O'Moore, National Labour Party candidate Dublin North East, at a meeting in, at Fairview. They had broken with the official Labour Unions because the Irish Labour Party had refused to sever their connection with English amalgamated trade unions, he said. 
after a quarter of a century of native government, they should have reached a stage when Irishmen should be in position to organise and control trade unions in Ireland for Irishmen. The National Labour Party objected to funds collected from Irish workers being sent to the headquarters of English unions. This was one connection which England, which was being perpetuated. The National Labour Party proposed, if elected, to ask the new Doyle for an inquiry into the failure of CIE to provide an adequate transport service, in view of the fact that the company had been granted a monopoly. They would also demand a drastic control of prices in order to reduce the cost of living. Mr F. Robbins' candidate said that nobody regretted more than he the split in the Labour movement, but they could not stand for their country being run from Moscow, London or anywhere else. They of the Labour movement were disappointed at the efforts of the government to control profiteering at the expense of the workers. Some progress had been made by the National Labour Party to establish a cooperative organisation for the supply of footwear to their members at a reduced price. The abolition of import tariffs on certain types of clothing would have an adverse effect on industries and would result in unemployment. Some, um, one of the leaflets I have up on the side from O'Moore and Robbins in 1948, the National Labour Party. The organisation, the National Labour Party is an independent and distinct political party whose membership is open to all who accept the principles of the organisation. It is called National inasmuch as it stands for the historic rights of the Irish nation and for the autonomous development of our own cultural and physical resources. It is called Labour inasmuch as primary social and economic aim is to achieve an adequate livelihood and economic security for all who are engaged in mental or physical work for themselves and for the community. O'Moore and Robbins in the Doyle will work and vote for more employment, better housing, reduction of co in cost of living, workers' representation on industrial councils and co-partnerships, improved workmen's compensation, council of education, Old age pensions, abolish of the means test below £2 per week. Ireland for the Irish. Anyway, the party, obviously there was going to be a um, an issue because obviously Clan the Public though were gaining popularity. So it was going to be very hard to grow. And indeed the party's vote fell from 1944 to 48. In Dublin North Central, George Walker got um, 271 votes. In Dublin North East, uh, Robbins got 478 and Sean O'Moore got 440. In Dublin South Central, Jamie Hughes got 790 votes. S. Doyle in Cork City got uh, 260 votes. PJ O'Brien in Cork East got 823 votes. In Galway West, um, Jay McElhenney polled 3,206 but missed um, missed out missed out in a seat just narrowly and in Kerry North uh, Dan Spring polled 5,877 to hold on to his seat in Wexford O'Leary polled 5,513 and in um, Wicklow uh, James Everett topped the poll again with 4,830 in the end, they won five seats again and won. And then came the business of government. Funnily enough, against the wishes 
of the ITGW, they went into government and a government that they, that included Labour and other um, parties, the first inter-party government. James Ebert served as Minister for Posts and Telegraphs and he was their party's representative in the cabinet. The parties worked well together in government, both Labour and National Labour. And it is said that uh, William O'Brien retiring and the death of, combined with the death of Jim Larkin Sr. also meant that, the, you know, the animosity that was between the two men, which was one of the reasons for the split, or lessened the reasons that they shouldn't reunite. On the 1st of June 1950, there were reports of a move to end Labour split. A joint conference representative of the Labour Party and the National Labour Party took place at Leinster House yesterday, at which it is understood the question of fusion of the two parties was discussed. Prominent members of both parties were present and the atmosphere was cordial. The discussions continued for a considerable time and last night the opinion prevailed that progress towards an understanding was made and that a united Labour Party may soon appear. Members of both parties, when approached, declined to comment, but further meetings are expected soon. So a week later, both parties met, and we learnt the Labour parties and the Doyle agreed to unite. The text of the statement announcing reunification was as follows. Recognising the imperative need for unity in the labour movement in order to increase its strength and prestige, this joint conference of representatives of the Irish Labour Party and the National Labour Party hereby declares that 1. Both parties are in favour of the immediate reunification of the labour movement and are prepared to work together as a united party with a political programme in accordance with Christian principles and national ideals. Two, the United Party accepts the principle of Irish-based and Irish-controlled unions to cater for the Irish workers. Three, we are prepared to arrange for a conference between members of the party and representatives of the two Congresses to discuss the most effective method of securing, as soon as possible, an agreement on the principle embodied in Article 2. Four, immediate steps are being taken to bring about formal unification. Signed on the 6th day of June 1950, William Norton, James Everett, Michael J. Keyes, Brendan Corge, James Hickey, Martin O'Sullivan, J.J. Patterson, Seamus O'Farrell, Thomas H. Kine, Dan Desmond, John O'Leary, Dan Spring, James Larkin. And so, in due time, I think it was a month later, the, the parties formally merged and the National Labour Party was no more. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to support the website and podcast, you can support the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash electionlit. Please subscribe to the podcast if you, if you, um, if you can. Tell your friends about it. And um, it looks like we'll be in lockdown for another while. So if anyone, I've done a couple of these talks um, over Zoom or whatever, but if anyone wants, um, any group wants a talk or anything like that on either the parties or the 
political ephemera and so on, uh, give us a shout. Thanks.